All right, well, we're going to jump in this morning. We are kicking off a brand new series um, this morning called True You. And last series, we came off this idea of evangelism and being salt and light um, and how we are to engage the community around us. But uh, this week and for the next four weeks, we're going to look at this idea of identity. And we're going to wrestle with this idea of who we actually are and what it means to be the people of God, what it means to be a son and daughter of God. When you crack open the scriptures and you read passages about how you've been adopted into sonship and now you're a child of God and heir, what, what does that mean? And so we're going, to, we're going to begin to wrestle starting this week with this idea of identity. And we're going to unpack this in some detail. And uh, first we're going to look at who we are as sons and daughters of God who our God-given identity is and what that looks like. We're going to go to some biblical narratives and unpack that. And then once we lay that groundwork and establish that, we're then going to look at what that looks like to live it out in the culture around us. What does it look like to be that son, that daughter of God in a culture of consumerism, in a culture of comparison, in a culture of secularism and godlessness and social media saturation, what, what does it look like to really live out this God-given identity that we will establish? And so I want to encourage you. This is going to be a great series. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be impactful. I think it's going to be enlightening. And uh, we all need a little bit of uh, some clarity on who we are in Christ, don't we? That's something that I think us as millennials, us as young adults, we're at a place in our lives where we're finding ourselves, we're figuring out who we are, we're figuring out what we're good at, what we're not good at, what we're going to do, who we want to end up with, answering all these questions. And so this question of identity is really important. And so as we begin this series this morning, we're going to lay the groundwork. And we're going to start by establishing and going to Scripture and seeing what exactly the Bible says about our relationship with God and what we are to call our identity. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, um, we are calling this uh, series title, Salt, Bling, and Spiritual Things. Salt, bling, and spiritual things, and that will make sense, but uh, we're going to unpack this idea of what this identity in God looks like. And so to do that, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, the beginning of the Bible. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Very, very familiar. Many of you could quote this, but here's what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Let's pray together. Father, we're here. We're your people. God, this act of coming to church on a Sunday morning, this, this act of Neglecting the snooze button and waking up and getting to your house, Lord, it's a way of us saying we are hungry. It's a way of us leaning in. It's a way of us saying, God, we want you. We want more of you. We want more of your word. And we ask that you would speak to us this morning. We ask that you would bring life to us. Would you bring joy? Would you bring fulfillment and peace? 
in the variety of our circumstances and situations that's represented this morning, Lord, we ask that you would bring life. And right now, we're going to do something a little different. I want you to keep your eyes closed and stay in this moment. I just want you to just sit there and just dial in a little bit. I want you to just, we've been moving, we've been mingling, we've been eating breakfast and drinking coffee, but just take a second and pause. And though it may be uncomfortable to some of you, just take a deep breath in and out and recognize God's nearness right now. And we're going to pray the classic prayer that's been prayed throughout the centuries of church history. This prayer that, Abba, I belong to you. I want you to just, maybe not out loud, in your own words, in your spirit, just say, Abba, I belong to you. Just breathe. Recognize the spirit. God, we cast every care on you when we recognize that you're our great high priest and that you're able to sympathize with us in our weakness. We thank you that you're here. Thank you that your spirit's here. Thank you that you're speaking to us. And we ask that our eyes and ears and hearts would be tuned to hear your voice this morning. We want to hear all that you would say to us this morning, Lord. And we want to receive your word with gladness and joy and commit ourselves to do everything that you tell us to do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on. Amen. Amen. You know, we're going to do that from time to time. It's good to just pause and to take a second and recalibrate, you know? The weekends can be taxing, we can be busy, we can be running around, but, but it's very important to just sit for a second and dial in and recognize, wait, God's here. And in that, our hearts grow sensitive to his voice and we're able to receive his word. So, thanks for doing that. Well, in our text this morning, Genesis 1, the passage we just looked at, um, we see the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of canonized scripture, at the very start of this whole book that God has chosen to speak through, we see God. And really the Bible, I love it, it gives no real explanation about God. It it doesn't really seek to defend itself. It doesn't seek to to explain how there's a God or or offer why he exists or anything. It just begins with with the notion God created. Because obviously creation in itself, the, the skies and the heavens and the stars and the universe, that, that bears witness enough to the reality of a God. When you really dig into science and into cosmology, it becomes very clear that the universe is so fine-tuned that there is a creator in the midst. And so it just says, in the beginning, God. And we see this God, this omnipotent, this massive, this, this huge and infinite God creating And he begins by creating the lights, and he separates the light from the darkness. And then days and nights come into pass. And then he he creates the firmament, that is the heavens, the stars, everything above it. And then he creates the the land and the animals and vegetation. And he's creating all these different things, and we're left asking the question, why? I mean, if you read the Genesis account, really, start at the beginning— Watch this unfold, and and we see this omnipotent, infinite God create the finite. This limitless God that's beyond time and space create that of time and space. And so we're left asking the question, why? Why why do we see this God who needs nothing and who who is completely self-sufficient, why do we see this God create the finite, that, that which dies, that which, which exists but, but really doesn't satisfy God. Does God need water? Does he need to drink? 
Does he need an animal to keep him company? Like, what, what is all this about? Why is this omnipotent God creating? And we read through this creation narrative, and, and we continue to ask this question, and then we get to verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, and it suddenly crystallizes and becomes clearer. Because Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. It's not enough just to make man. Let's make him in our image, after our likeness. And let them, that is man and woman, have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so we see this omnipotent and infinite God creating, and he's creating all these different things. And then he stops and gets to this creature that is extremely different than anything else in all of creation. He gets to this creature that that all of a sudden, wait, has the ability to reason. And the ability to choose, and the ability, this capacity to love, and thus the ability to have relationship. And so then we see in this creation narrative, when he creates man, that these questions are suddenly becoming answered. Because we see that creation, all of creation that was created before man, was created for man. And God created this habitat, this environment, this universe to house this creation that is man so that man could have relationship. And so then we see that man is the focal point of all creation. Man is the seat of creation. He's the one in whom creation was made for. And in this creation narrative, we see that God created man and woman for two reasons. One we can draw from Scripture, one we can draw from the nature in which they are created. He created them for two things, to rule and to have relationship. We see God creating man in in his own image, the capacity to feel, the capacity to have relationship. And, And this capacity to have relationship wasn't wasted. In fact, it was for a specific purpose, so that man could have relationship with its creator. And he gave them dominion and said, rule, go, look over all this creation. Look over all that I've given you and and over everything that's on earth. It's yours. Rule it. Have dominion over it. Steward it well. And it's interesting because our role, if we apply this to ourselves as as rulers, has been compromised by the first Adam. The Adam, the, the, the first Adam, the second he took that fruit and ate it and disobeyed God, he compromised all of humanity's role as ruler because now they were unfit and unable in a fallen and sinful state to rule. But the second Adam, that is Jesus Christ, will eventually bring to fruition that role and, and, and help us to live in that once again. First, or, uh, 2 Timothy 2 and Revelation 22 make it clear that we will rule with Jesus once again. That we will rule. We will have dominion over the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. And so that role is kind of put on the shelf for now. And so for us today, us believers of the 21st century church, We're ones who now live out the second and more important role of having relationship with our creator. And so this this, uh, creation narrative reveals that at our core, we as mankind, men and women, were made for our creator. We were made for relationship. And the main thing I want to point out here is this. 
that though man was given the task to steward creation, right, to rule, to have dominion, to oversee all that God created, man was not made for the creation, but man was made for the creator. You see, God created all these things. He created the the stars and the earth and the animals and vegetation so that man could rule it and have dominion and have this environment in which they had relationship with God. But they weren't really, at the end of the day, made for the creation. Man wasn't made for the plants. Women weren't made for animals. Man and women, with this capacity to have relationship, weren't made for this, this creation, but instead they were made for the creator. And thus, to bring this back to the practical, man was never made. And when I say man, I mean woman as well. Man and women. We were never men and women. Gosh. Men and women were never made to have relationship, or to have identity and to draw identity from the creation, but only from the creator. We were never made to, to gain identity through that which is tangible and through that which is physical, but only that which is intangible and infinite. That is God. You see, we don't, we don't see in this creation narrative um, Adam boasting in the camel that he had, right? He's like, yo, baby girl, Eve, check this out. Yeah. It's got four horsepower, all the leather interior. Come on for a ride. Yeah. Let me, let me take you for a drive. We don't see that. Nor do we see Eve sitting in her garden and boasting in her plants, right? The, the gardening. I can picture Eve with gloves and, and oh, my, my, my tomatoes and my apples and, ooh, yeah, this is good. My garden, right? We don't see them boasting or finding identity in that. Why? Because they knew in their um, unfallen, if you will, state, in their perfect state, in their sinless state, they knew that really their identity came from one place, the Creator, the one whom they were made for. And so as we look and as we examine our lives and as we unpack this idea of identity, we can get that backwards, can't we? We can begin to to view the creation as such that we draw identity from apart from the creator. Because we can go through our lives and, you know, as young adults in college and maybe you're into your occupation— or you're in a relationship, or, or you just bought a house, or whatever you're doing. We can kind of get into this tendency, and this rhythm, and this motion of, of viewing the stuff, that dream job, finishing that degree, that, that, you know, putting a ring on the finger of that dime that you've been eyeing for the last six months, or getting 200 likes on your Instagram picture. What? That's the stuff, that's kind of the stuff that we, we naturally in our fallen state try to identify with. And we look at the creation, right? That which is tangible, that which was given to us for, to enjoy, right? God, God t- tells us in 1 Timothy that he's given us all things to enjoy, and yet we can kind of go beyond enjoyment. We can begin identifying ourselves with these things, with the creation. And that all is the creation, that which is made for man, that which we can enjoy, Social media is something to enjoy. A job, have it being fulfilled to a certain extent in an occupation, that's something to enjoy. A relationship, that's something to enjoy. Getting a degree, that's something to enjoy? Maybe? I, I don't know, depending on who you are. Th- these are all things that we were made to enjoy, but not made to identify with. Instead, we were made to identify with the one who gave us those things, the Creator. And if we're not careful, then we can begin to overly identify ourselves with this and kind of short-circuit the nature in which God not only created us in, but calls us to live in. 
We can begin to get clouded in our relationship with God. We can begin to put too much stock in that which is tangible and really that which will pass away. We came into the world naked and we will leave naked. We will come and leave with nothing. And so if we seek to identify in these, these things that were made for us instead of the creator, then we can kind of get cloudy in our relationship with God. Because at the end of the day, the creation narrative tells us that the creation was made for man, for you, for me, for us. But man, you, me, us, we were made for the creator, for God, the one in whom we were made. Now, I, I want to take a second and let me break this down in a way that I think will be helpful. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little illustration, and I need two of my good friends to come up and help me out with this. So I want you to make some noise and show some love to the one and only Matt Lemonian and Rayshawn Hayes. Come on. Make some noise, everybody. Come on. You can do better than that. Bring it. Bring it. All right. We got, we got Rayshawn. Matt is nowhere to be seen. Uh-oh. Anybody else want to jump up? Andrew. You want to jump up? Come on. Andrew. Come on. Yeah. Make some noise for Andrew. All right. So, fellas, you can stand right here, just, just in front of everybody. All right? This is Rayshawn. This is Andrew. Thank you for, for doing a little impromptu. All right. So, so here's what we're doing. These guys have no idea what this illustration is. Andrew just found out he was doing it. Rayshawn knew before, but what's up? Welcome. And for the integrity of the illustration, I have purposefully kept it quiet so that they can respond organically and naturally, okay? So you guys are probably wondering what you're about to do. Well, I want to tell you something, a little, little Caldwell secret, all right? My wife, JC, JC, raise your hand. She's the hottie in the front row. Yes, you're just a little sheepish hand. That's okay. Um, JC makes the best, the best, the best cake batter cookies, all right? These things are unreal. These things are amazing. You're going to love them. And she actually slaved over a hot oven to give you guys some cake batter cookies, all right? So, so I'm actually, I got some cake batter cookies, the J.C. Caldwell special right here, all right? So I, I want you to pick one. Just, just pick a cookie. Pick a cookie, any cookie. All right? Okay, don't eat it yet. You're going to want these napkins too, and you're going to know why in a second. Whoa, that's all right. Pick, your up, pick up your own dang napkin. All right, so... So before you get excited about eating these cookies, there's one catch, all right? JC's really good at making cookies, and one of these cookies is perfect. I'm talking, like, perfect. The, the taste is amazing. Chocolate is perfectly fine-tuned with the cake batter taste. The cake batter is the emphasis, you know? And yeah, there's other ingredients, things on the side, but for the most part, you're going to taste cake batter, and you're going to really enjoy it. And this cookie is going to represent the, the life that finds identity in God, in his creator. The emphasis is on the cake batter, right? As it should be. And the life is, is emphasized on God and drawn identity from God, as it should be. So, that's the good one. Now, there is a bad cookie that neither of these guys know which one they grabbed. You just grabbed a cookie thinking you were going to chomp down, right? But this cookie, JC got a little too excited about and added a little too much of one ingredient. Can you guess what it is? Salt. And by, by a little too excited, I mean like four tablespoons of salt. Right, babe? I don't, I don't know how much you put, but it was a lot. It was, it was ridiculous. I, I saw her actually like grab a handful of salt and just dump it. So I, I don't know how much that equates to. But, uh, but one of you are going to get the good cookie. And the bad cookie kind of represents this, this, uh, this life that draws identity from something that should be secondary. 
Something that the emphasis shouldn't be placed on, and yet that life places emphasis on it. Could be the job, could be the girl, could be the car, could be the house of the white picket fence, whatever. And, uh, and that's, that's going to represent the, the, the bad cookie, all right? So good cookie, bad cookie, I don't know. But what I do need you guys to do is to face forward. And if you get the bad cookie, um, don't freak out. Your, your throat might close up, and you might go into cardiac arrest, but that's okay. That's all right. I mean, it's, it's for the Lord, right? This is great. No, don't, don't fake it. Just, just bring it. So napkins are there if you guys need it, if you guys need to spit, but just, just you know, eat it. Enjoy it. So not yet. I'm going to need the, you know, you guys to put the whole cookie in your mouth, not just a bite. You need to throw the whole thing in, all right? All right, so let's do this. One of you is really going to enjoy this. The other one, ugh, sorry. All right, so people, young adults, I need you to help me count it down from three, and we're going to see which one of these guys gets the good cookie, which one gets the bad cookie. Sound good? Sound good? All right, come on, count it down. Three, two, one. What you got? Who's got it? Who's got it? Ray Sean's good. Andrew's good. Andrew, dang, who's got it? You don't have to swallow. <laughs> you don't have to swallow that, man. You can you can spit that out. Dang, you're just loving life right yeah, now. You're like, awesome. isn't it great? Yeah, it's good. Andrew, how's that cookie, man? How's that salt? You feel the, the salt on the palate? <laughs> yeah, bro, spit that out. Spit that out. Now, now while he's spitting that out, this is a silly illustration, but but I want to point this out. Salt is present in both of these cookies, right? Salt. The, JC made salt with this cookie. And JC put a little too much emphasis on the salt with this one. But, but what I want you to catch is the salt is in both of these cookies. The life that identifies in God is not void of the salt. It's not void of the job. It's not void of the relationship. It's not, it's, it's not this Gnostic thing where all we have to do is seek God in the middle of a mountains in a monastery and not have a job or have a girlfriend or a wife or any of that. There's some salt. But what's important is to not overemphasize the salt and, and to not put too much stock in the girlfriend or in the car or in the house. Because then what Andrew quickly found out was that compromised the nature of the cookie. And that actually made the cookie something that the cookie was never made to be. The cookie was made to have that cake batter flavor, to have this robust, delicious, beautiful flavor. And yet there was an overemphasis on one thing, one ingredient in that cookie. And then all of a sudden it became... Would you say disgusting? Would you say horrendous? Well, what's an adjective you would, you would use? Well, you could taste the cake batter still. Okay. The salt slowly started to overtake the cookie. That's a message in and of itself. So, the salt, if we put too much emphasis on the salt of our lives, if we put too much emphasis on that job or that career or, or, that, or that degree or the relationship or anything, then, then we will spend our entire lives seeking these thing, things out only to realize that we're not satisfied by them. And in fact, we weren't created for them because we were made for the creator. And we will spend years only getting to the, to the point where we receive them and attain them and to find ourselves empty and unsatisfied. Why? Because the emphasis wasn't on the creator the emphasis was on the salt. The emphasis was on the creation. And so we as people don't identify with the creation, but in the creator. Everybody give these guys some love. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Nothing like a good old-fashioned food illustration. All right. Last verse. Second Peter, chapter 3. Let's go there. Second Peter 3.17. It says this, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, 
Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow. Everybody say grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here the immediate context is Peter's Peter's, uh, writing an epistle to the churches of Asia Minor, and he has the immediate focus on false teachers and false teachings. And so he's telling these guys, look, don't be carried away by lawlessness. Don't be carried away by these messages that tickle your ears and make you feel good, but really have no impact on your own way of living. But instead, don't be carried away with those, but grow in the knowledge of God. And we can definitely relate to the idea of being carried away by false teaching and things that maybe sound good and feel good, but really aren't really biblical, sound theology. And so that applies. But at the same time, also, everything else, the things around us, that's what Peter's saying. Don't let the things around you in your life take you away. Don't let the things that are pervading your life take your focus off of the one whom you were made for. Instead, grow in the knowledge of God. And so for us today, we're not to be led away, to be carried away, to be swooned by these things in our lives, the creation. You know, we've already talked about what those could be. Cars, fame, I don't know, a thousand followers on your Instagram page, whatever it is. We don't let those things carry us away and, and seek to identify in those, but instead we are to grow in our knowledge of God. We're to take steps in our relationship with him. We're to get to know him as our creator. We're to find him more and more in our lives and seek our lives after him and spending them to grow in a relationship with him. So grow in this God-given identity that you've been created for. Grow in this identity of, of being made in the creator's image so that you can have relationship. You know, we can allow a number of different things in our lives to carry us away. But at the end of the day, biblical narrative of creation, Second Peter, the epistle, tells us, man, grow. Come back to the realization that you are your creators. Come back to the realization that you were not made to have that job. You were not made to date that girl. You were not made to go to college and get a degree. That stuff is good and it's creation. But you were made. I was made for relationships. And it's such a foundational and and elementary idea, but it's something that we can lose sight of sometimes. And I would argue often, we can get so caught up in this stuff because God's giving this to me, right? Like this is godly because God's given it to me, but yet like the salt, if we overemphasize it, then we've lost it. We've missed it. So this morning, what things in your life have you allowed to carry you away? What things have you allowed to take your focus off the creator and onto the creation? What areas of your life have you just given a little too much attention to? That you've put a little too much stock in? That you've drawn identity from a little too much? What are those things? Is it that degree you're trying to get? Is it that relationship that you're trying to walk into? Is it social media? Do you find so much stock and and personal fulfillment in your Instagram or Facebook or Twitter? Is it relationships? Is it friendships? Things that are all good and things we should all enjoy, but is there anything in our lives today, this week, that's taken our focus off the Creator? I mean, I know I can have a tendency to do this. Me and JC actually just bought a house um, we're homeowners, officially. Whoop, whoop for that. Well, you don't have to cheer. I mean, you can if you want, but I mean, you don't have to. Um, we just bought a house, and we love it. It's this gorgeous house. It has, 
you know, 90% of the things on our dream list for our house. And we love it, and it's amazing. And we're furnishing it now. We're buying furniture and, and TVs and all this stuff to fill the house. And it can become so easy to just get too caught up in it. We, it can be so easy for me, I know, to like, ooh, we got new couches. Ooh, we got a new TV. Check this out. Yeah, we got this. We got a house now. Woo, yeah. We got a neighborhood pool. What's up? What's up? Young adults, come over. Let's chill. It can be so easy to like identify and to get caught up with that a little too much. And yes, we feel like God has graciously given more, more than we should be getting, you know, with this house. But, but at the end of the day, if I take my focus off the creator and off the purpose in which I was created for, the one in whom I was created for, then I'm going to furnish this house and we're going to look back 10 years down the road when we have everything we want and just feel like we missed it. You know, we spent the money, and we got the nice things, and we have this, and we just, we missed it. We're empty. Where are we? It's because we took our focus off. So I know I have a propensity and, and a temptation to do this, and uh, I suspect that many of you have the same propensity. And so this morning, I just want to challenge us and encourage you and question you. Are you identifying with your Creator? Are there things in your relationship with God that are clouding your, your walk with him, that really God's kind of on the shelf. The big things, the important things are in front of you. They're the creation. But are you identifying yourself in the creator? And again, I know it's an it's a introductory and elementary idea, but we, we tend to need reminders of them from time to time. You know, our walk with God is more about reminders than revelations. It's more about being reminded and, and emphasizing things once again, you know, over and over and over again, passing tests, failing tests, having to retake them, then these big things that sweep you off your feet. And so I just want us to close our eyes real quick. I want you to posture yourself, this introspective, humble posture, whatever that looks like. And I want you to just look at your lives and think and assess where you are. The Holy Spirit's speaking as the word is preached. And so I want you to look at this message. And if, if one thing, one idea stood out to you, that area that is nagging you right now, that area of your life where you feel like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's a gentle comfort and conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack these in discussion groups. And we're going to talk through it. But right now, I want you to just have a moment with God and to just repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've let that job that occupation, that dream, cloud and taint my relationship with you. I wasn't created for that. God, I'm sorry I let this relationship come between you and me. Lord, I'm sorry I've put too much focus on the creation and not the one whom I'm made for. God, here we are, your sons and daughters. And at the core of who we are this morning, we recognize that we were made for you. We weren't made for the stuff. We weren't made for the house. We weren't made for the car. We weren't made for that relationship. But God, we were made for you. We bear your very image. God, we have the capacity beyond anything in creation. We're unique. We have this capacity to have relationship with you. We were made for you. And so Holy Spirit, would you convict us would you show us? Would you lead us into righteousness? God, would you bring us back, draw us, put our focus and lock our eyes with you once again to where we can look to you and know, oh, the one 
whom I was made for. Life just makes sense with you. God, would you bring us and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and give us a willing spirit to sustain us. Would you help us to talk these ideas through in a healthy way with our tables right now? And I pray that even as we discuss, your Holy Spirit would be in the midst of us speaking, illuminating truth, and making concrete that which was spoken today. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we give this time of discussion to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just sit in that during discussions. Talk about it. Um, get real. Um, unpack your life. You know, really, really make this thing concrete and practical for you. And then uh, we'll close with our benediction here in about 15 minutes. So we got some extended time to talk through these ideas. All right. Love you guys. Enjoy discussion. All right. Let's do our benediction together. Let's stand to our feet. This is our prayer, our declaration, our benediction for the week. 2 Peter 3.18. Let's read this together and really make this our prayer. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.